Every piece of jewelry holds its secrets. Stories of love and separation, legends and curses. Discover the Voice of Jewels, a podcast from L'Ecole, School of Jewelry Arts, supported by Van Cleef and Arpels. Unveiling the stories and secrets behind history's most fascinating jewels. Soon available on all listening platforms. This is Life and Art from FT Weekend. I'm Lila Raptopoulos, and this is our Friday chat show. This week, we are talking about Mean Girls in Theaters Now, which is a musical based on the 2014 movie classic starring Lindsay Lohan and written by Tina Fey. The original film was a phenomenon. Mean Girls has been called one of the most quotable movies of all time. You have probably heard the phrases, on Wednesdays we wear pink. She doesn't even go here. That is so fetch. Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. It was so popular that in 2018, a musical adaptation came out on Broadway. And then that did so well that they've released in theaters now a film adaptation of the musical adaptation of the 2004 movie. It has a very similar script as the original and songs from the Broadway show. So today we are talking about the Mean Girls phenomenon, what the original movie's legacy is, and whether we need this new version. Let's get into it. I am Lila. My hair is full of secrets. <laughs> Joining me in New York is Brooke Masters. She's the FT's U.S. financial editor. And for her, the limit does not exist. Hi, Brooke. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> also with us from London, she's wearing sweatpants, so she can't sit with us. It is producer of the Life and Art podcast and occasional guest host, Lulu Smith. Hi, Lulu. Hi. Sweatpants is all that fits me right now. <laughs> Uh, okay, Mean Girls. As a refresher for listeners, Brooke, how would you describe what happens in the original film? Basically, Lindsay Lohan's character, Katie, comes from having been homeschooled while living in Kenya to your basic average American high school in Illinois and mm-hmm. discovers the horror of life with clicks. <laughs> and it's all about her navigating all these different groups and trying to fit in. And, and you know, there's the requisite romance plot and me but basically girls being absolutely horrible to each other okay so let's meet the main characters so there's the protagonist katie uh there are the mean girls which are called the plastics that's uh regina george who's the queen bee and um please jump in gretchen wiener who is um one of the mean girls and then karen right Karen's the dumb one. Gretchen is the gossip. So before we get into more detail about the movie, I would love to ask um, more about both of your relationship with the original. Uh, I kind of love that we're in different, we're coming to this from different uh, generations. When it came out, I was a freshman in high school, sort of facing a uh, 2000 person public high school, kind of like that one and thinking I'm such a loser. I I don't really know how to ingratiate and feeling like, wow, there really are mean girls in this in this town. Um, what about you, Lulu? Yeah, I think I first saw it when I was like 12, but sort of forgot about it. And then it came back when I was like 15 and suddenly everyone was rewatching it. It was everywhere. They were hmm. all like quoting it and Without irony, I would add. Oh no, they were taking the wrong. Truly, yeah, uh, and I think that's kind of for the yeah. The wrong message. <laughs> I think that's kind of something that happens sometimes with these kinds of films, where like the potential for people to misinterpret it is like quite high. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was definitely like a massive part of my teenage years as well. Like this and Anchorman are the films that I remember people quoting <laughs> all the time. 
Um, Brooke, what about you? For, for me, the movie came out just as I was parenting a little girl who was actually being tortured by mean girls in nursery school. Oh my so God. It, 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 was, it was incredibly powerful. Um, I actually even read the self-help book on which it was originally based, <laughs> which is called Queen Bees. Um, and so in that way, seeing it uh, live on screen, like brought to life, was really just so much fun. Yeah. Mm. And what did you both love about um, about the original? I mean, I think the, bo- the bottom line is that it's really funny and it has this like savage, unrestrained comedy to it which I think is very like satisfying if you're a teenager but also it's I think a film that has a really compelling plot like obviously it's quite formulaic but there are lots of like twists and turns that happen um but the thing that's kind of eclipsed it now is the one-liners and the kind of throwaway characters and the fleshed out world which makes it very eternal yeah (laughs) timeless yeah um, I mean, I love the original Mean Girls. And what made the first movie so powerful is not just that the characters are great and the jokes are fantastic and the lines are brilliantly written, but it was really biting. I think it also, it's a bit like Casablanca that way, where each individual character, even though you don't see that much of them, is really fleshed out. And yeah. and, it, um, and and that's, in some ways, that conveys its underlying message, which is that everybody has value. You know, mm-hmm. although there are these mean girls in charge that everybody else has value too. And by giving each one of them a real existence, yeah, um, that's really powerful. Right, right, right. It, first of all, I love that you're comparing it to Casablanca. I wonder <laughs> if Mean Girls has ever been compared to Casablanca before. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah, I agree. Also, like, I, at that time, Lindsay Lohan was in her absolute prime. I don't, mm. she had, the parent trap had come out, Freaky Friday had come out. She was, like, very relatable and talented. And the movie, as I remember it, it was, like, it was really smart. And it was also dark in ways that would, like, surprise you. Like, there are a lot of ways where you thought you were going to get a typical thing and then uh, it would be like deeply inappropriate. Yes. Um, And that was like very titillating. uh, I felt like for that time, it felt like it was doing something different. Yeah. Um, I, one line that I use still uh, is, um, you know, Gretchen Wiener towards the beginning keeps saying that's so fetch. And she's like, trying (laughs) to make this line happen. And at one point, Regina just turns her and it says like, Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to (laughs) happen. And I think that that encapsulates something that continues to happen to me regularly, which is like, stop trying to make this thing happen every, like, especially in media. Stop trying to make this (laughs) sort of become a trend. It's not a trend. Yeah. Uh, That I think about all the time. There are so many um, lines, like, even like four for you, Glenn Coco, you go Glenn Coco. Glenn Coco doesn't exist (laughs) out of the, outside of those nine words. And yet he is like somehow a cultural phenomenon. Candy cane grounds. Okay, hurry up. Taylor Zimmerman, two for you. Glenn Coco, four for you, Glenn Coco. You go, Glenn Coco. Before we move on to the next, is there anything that like we should say about like why that movie hit so well then? I think it, there is, it does. Mean Girls comes in the period where where people are, where women film goers in particular are beginning to say like why are we always the the side light? The movie's always about the guy, yeah, and, or yeah. you know, and, and we're the sidekick, or where maybe we get five minutes. And and this was a movie absolutely about women, mm, I mean, young right. women, but women, and not about love. 
I mean, it was, I guess there was a romance plot at the end, but it was also about like young women being able to be more things than one, like able to be nerds and also popular. Let's talk about the new 2024 film. So like the original, the musical follow Katie's tumultuous journey to fit in at high school and try to undermine uh, Regina George. But the film's also a musical. So that's part of what makes it feel new is the music. Um, This is a totally new songbook. It's written by Jeff Richmond, who uh, is the husband of Tina Fey. Um, Mm. Very top line. What did you both think of it? I mean... I just want to say on record, like, I have a lot of nice things to say about this film, but the songbook is a crime. It is an abomination. (laughs) It is uh, a stain on the legacy of Mean Girls and Tina Fey. I'm sorry, Jeff, but I don't know what he was thinking. Imagine being given, like, the literary masterpiece that is the Mean Girls 2004 script on a platter and coming up with, (laughs) I can be who I want to be and sexy. Maybe this is my producer brain talking, but all it needed was like a light edit to make that poetry (laughs) that it deserved to be. And yeah, he did not pull through. What did did you guys think? I absolutely hated the songs. Um, (laughs) Really like not singable, not memorable. Also like candy pop songs sung by people with musical theater voices, like bad combo. Um, You know, I imagine like what Taylor Swift would have had so much fun with this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could have been world. so much better. Totally. Okay, so what were some of the big differences in this film compared to the original? I mean, one thing I noticed is there's a lot more technology, like uh, when the burn book is sort of disseminated in the original. Regina George uses photocopied papers of the pages and throws them around the hallways. Uh, and uh, that looks so quaint now. Now the contents of the burn book are being passed around um, via... Snapchat, I would imagine, on social networks. Yeah. What else yeah, felt or, different? Or Instagram or something. Or Instagram, yeah. And the and the phone converse, you know, the multi-person phone conversations have shifted to become, you know, people are texting each other and there are, you know, TikTok videos. And, mm-hmm. and they clearly have tried to incorporate sort of how much kids live online these days. More of yeah. the scenes are framed as being, you're clearly looking at someone's smartphone or looking at several smartphones at the same time. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot yeah. of um, what I spoke to our uh, deputy arts editor about this. He'd referred to it as social media screen candy, um, which he said <laughs> gave him a headache. Whereas for me, I was like, I guess my brain is already so rotted by sugar and uh, Instagram content. <laughs> and I was like, woo, fun. Um, but what did you guys think overall? Like, did those changes do it for you? Do you think it was as biting? Was it missing something? I think when it, it is following the original most slavishly, it is less impressive. It's better when it's trying to do something different, really Mm -hmm. taking advantage of being a musical and doing interesting stuff. Um, I think part of the problem is uh, most of the actors, while they are really good, they don't have the the edge that the actors in the original had, Mm -hmm. particularly the Lindsay Lohan, Katie character and the Rachel McAdams, Regina character. They're a bit softer. They all kind of blend into each other more. You know what's funny? I actually, um, I agree that the actress that played Katie, Anjuri Rice, um, just like didn't have the weight that Lindsay Lohan did. But I really liked Renee Rapp 
Smith's version of Regina George. Mm. And I have a theory, Tell and us. I'm going to run it by both of you, and you can tell me what you think. Basically, my thought is that the original Regina George, uh, Rachel McAdams, she played Regina as like the perfect mean girl, right? She's this kind of distant, mm. beautiful, sort of uh, pricked you with her sort of evilness. Um, but she wore her power kind of more lightly. And then Renee Rapp's Regina George was like, she felt to me like more powerful, stronger, like more of an evil villainess. Like she felt like an Ursula. Kind that of is character. so interesting to me because oh. I I thought she had more. Uh, I thought she had more. Like, I mean, that was her public persona. But once that cracked, you really saw the kind of skeleton underneath and how uh, how vulnerable she was. Yeah. Okay, so she had a softerness underneath that you saw. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do agree that the original, like, she's kind of untouchable, almost inhuman. The other thing that I kept thinking when I was watching uh, Renee Rapp, I kept thinking, like, who does she remind me of? Who does she remind me of as Regina? Why does Regina? And I was like, oh, my God, she reminds me of Donald Trump. <laughs> Wait, this <laughs> And I felt like, this is Regina this Regina George? Yeah, this 2024 <laughs> Regina George. Is she Donald Trump? She's, like, kind of scary. People don't like her, but they follow her. She has this sort of, like, populist power over everybody where they don't quite know how they've been manipulated, but they have. Mm-hmm. And her meanness is, like, brute kind of, but also funny. And I don't know. That's my theory. I think that this film was a commentary (laughs) of today's political landscape in the context of a high school musical. Um, Tell me I'm wrong, though. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't I don't think I feel Donald Trump, but but the idea of a bully who actually has a bit of has insecurity underneath, I think, did come through much more strongly in that this one. And I do love your Ursula comparison from uh, Little Mermaid because there is, it is partly because of the show Stoppy Songs, I think. Mm-hmm. She's a big, she's in some ways a bigger character. Yeah. Um, the original is much more brittle and, and just scary. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's a more insidious evil. Mm. I mean, to your Donald Trump point, I do think I can imagine <laughs> him singing, my name is Donald Trump and I am a massive deal, so... Yeah, yeah, I think that tracks. My name is Regina George, and I am a massive deal. My last question about this before we move into the final section um, is just this film is very clearly targeted at Gen Z. Um, It's full of stars that young people know. Uh, that I didn't necessarily, uh, although Renee Rapp, I knew she's in Sex Lives of College Girls. She was great in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actress who plays Janice Ian was the voice of Moana. Mm. Um, did you both feel like I did that this movie was not made for me? <laughs> well, I think partly because I was already old for the first version. It wasn't <laughs> yeah. about me. It was about um, <laughs> that. I, I was less bothered by that because I enjoy Mean Girls not because I thought it was made for me, but because... Uh, it's just a great movie. Yeah. Um, that bothered me less. Yeah. What about you, I, Lulu? Yeah, I think I definitely felt that it wasn't made for me, but I'm deep internet enough to be sort of adjacent and like understand some of the jokes. So I had a kind of like cool mom perspective on it. <laughs> what, what did you What did you think, Lila? Um, I, it felt a little to me like... Um, 
like watching Riverdale. <laughs> like I watched the then Riverdale remake and I thought it was actually going to be like the Archie comic, which I was really, I really loved growing up. And uh, instead it was this sort of psychotic, hot teen Gen Z soap opera. Right. And I felt sort of disappointed in that way again. Like um, there were some, I mean, I got to say like Busy Phillips who played Regina George's mom was just perfect. Like yes. I actually, I thought she was amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, and there were some like uh, updates to now that really hit and made me laugh out loud uh, quite hard. But I just I was sort of I'd left feeling like, oh, wow, you know, that wasn't mm. <laughs> that was made for that was made for a generation that isn't in that generation. And uh, something about that felt sort of confused. And to be to be completely selfish, I felt left out. <laughs> So my last question in that case is, I wonder if this film should have existed at all. It feels like the remake's trying to create some sort of cultural bridge. And I don't know, maybe we don't need one. Mean Girls was an iconic teen movie, like a Heathers or a Breakfast Club or a Clueless or maybe like a Ferris Bueller. So maybe it should have just stayed in 2004. I I hate to like stomp on people's parades, but I kind of do think this didn't do enough. It either needed mm. to be more different or yeah. they should have just left it alone. I think yeah. maybe it's because it was too close. I think it, it, maybe they needed a different plot or a different something, but it, I don't think it took it on. Yeah, I mean, I think it doesn't like, it's not going to detract from the Mean Girls legacy. Um, and I definitely enjoyed it. So on that ground, I'm not like sad about its existence, but it doesn't really add anything either. Yeah, it's interesting. It felt like it was, it's a remake of a musical that's a remake of a movie. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same, kind of the same movie done 20 years later. And I, I did feel sort of like, uh, what is this doing for me other than reminding me how much I love the original? But I also know that that's a hard thing. Like, I don't have a solution to, um, to that problem, which is like, how do you... Uh, invoke the spirit of the original, but also do some clever thing uh, to make it uh, new and exciting. So maybe it's just, maybe it's fine that it is what it is. Um, and yet somehow something about it still made me mad. I think, you know, if you go in with low expectations, then you'll have a great time. <laughs> yeah, fun is okay. Fun is okay. Um, Lulu, Brooke, thank you so much. That was amazing. We will be back in just a second for more or less. From the Special Investigations Team at the Financial Times, this is The Retreat. The Retreat. The Retreat. The Retreat. I went into what I would consider a psychotic break. It was like being in a torture chamber for my mind for six months. The Retreat. The, retreat. the final goal is to purify the mind. The Retreat is the first series from Untold, a new Financial Times investigative podcast. Coming this January. Welcome back for More or Less, the part of the show where each of us talks about one thing that we want to see more of or less of culturally. Uh, Lulu, what do you got? So um, this is kind of on theme. I would like to see more serious man actors in frivolous, quote unquote, girly films. Um, there's a <laughs> like pattern for successful male actors who, like Leonardo DiCaprio or 
Matthew McConaughey or Bradley Cooper, if that's your thing, or even Zac Efron now, (laughs) where early in their careers, they do rom-coms. And then as soon as they get like really successful, they'll go off and do an indie film uh, or like a Christopher Nolan, a Martin Scorsese and never be seen again. Um, But (laughs) Ryan Gosling has returned to the Barbie sphere. So I would like to see more serious male actors follow his lead. I think if I like that. If Troy Bolton is in Iron Claw, then we get Whackin' Phoenix in High School Musical 4. Yeah, 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 I like that. <laughs> um, Brooke, what about you? I want fewer universe expansions. I don't want the 75th Star Wars <laughs> or the 37th Marvel. I would like a new world. Give me a new world. Mean Girls was great because it created a new high school. I mean, yeah. I really, I just want some new ideas. Give me something else. I like that. That's really great. That's great. I agree. Um, I uh, I think that we should be reading more plays. Mm-hmm. I saw a play on Broadway last week called Appropriate, starring Sarah Paulson, and it was amazing. And afterwards, I wanted to revisit it. I felt like, what's going on here? So I looked it up and I read the play. It's by Brandon Jacobs Jenkins. It was free online. And I realized that... Um, we stopped reading plays at some point. Like uh, we all read Shakespeare when we were kids. And then unless you study theater, that just stops. Um, But reading it was great. I thought I had a great time. I thought it was like a thing that we should be talking about more. They're short. They take a few hours to read. It's like all dialogue, which is the best part. Um, That's such a good idea. So that's it. Read more plays. I love that. Thank you both. This was so fetch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Brooke, Lulu, this is a real delight. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That's the show. Thank you for listening to Life and Art from FD Weekend. Take a read through the show notes. We have relevant links and discounts for a subscription to the Financial Times. We also have ways to stay in touch with me and with the show, whether that's by email, on X, or on Instagram. I'm Lila Raptopoulos, and here is my talented team. Katya Kumkova is our senior producer. Lulu Smith is our producer. Our sound engineers are Breen Turner and Sam Javinko, with original music by Metaphor Music. Topher Forges is our executive producer, and our global head of audio is Cheryl Brumley. But before you go, we have a special extra treat for you. Our senior sound engineer, Breen Turner, is here, and he's brought in his Halloween costume from last year to show us. Hi, Breen. How are you? Hi, Lila. I'm good, thanks. Good. So I'm looking at a photo of this right now because we're not in the same room, but I know you have it with you in studio. (laughs) It is a pink cardboard box that covers your body. It's got a lipstick kiss in the middle of it. What am I looking? <laughs> yeah, what, what am looking I looking at? at exactly? What are yeah. you looking at? So this is. Oh my god! Um, what trans- <laughs> transforms an ordinary man into an anthropomorphic walking burn book? <laughs> and um, you, Breen, a uh, esteemed member of our audio team, <laughs> journalist. What? Why? What made you want to dress up? I'm not. I think this is a brilliant <laughs> costume and maybe the best I've ever seen. But what inspired you? Um, I'm a big fan of arts and crafts. And I'm just a big, big fan of Mean Girls. It's something me and my girlfriend both really like. It's very nostalgic for us and it's very quotable. And I know that it's something that a lot of our friendship group would recognize and appreciate as well.
As an yeah. aside, Breen is currently holding this up and it is not just a cardboard outline of a book. It's actually got physical pages. Yeah, there's with functional pages. personalized <laughs> oh, man. insults. Amazing. Was it a hit, Breen? How did it how did it come up? Um, yes, I think it, it went down well. I think uh, was it worth the effort? Uh, <laughs> it did take a while. There was a lot of hot glue involved. Um, but I think it was. Um, Breen, thank you so much for coming in uh for just this moment. Thank you. Um what a delight. And uh I'll put the picture on Instagram for our listeners. Thanks. Have a lovely weekend and we'll find each other again on Monday. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.